Welcome to this episode of Pen to Paper Press Podcast. I'm Cindy Coaches. There is a backstory weaved into each book to explore the creative process. I am sitting down with authors, writers, editors, publishers, and an array of creative souls to have conversations centered around how they develop their stories to completing their works of art. Each episode is an opportunity for us to explore mindsets, pearls of wisdoms, and the experiences that began our journey as an author from the moment we put pen to paper. Elizabeth Kipp is a chronic pain specialist, yoga-informed addiction recovery coach, ancestral clearing practitioner, yoga and meditation teacher, and <laughs> she is an in- international best-selling author of The Way Through Con- Chronic Pain, Tools to Reclaim Your Healing Power. The title of her first book is Path to Inner Peace, a 90-day journal. And she is the co-writer in an array of collaborative book projects. Welcome, Elizabeth. It is so good to have you here and to speak with you. Well, thank you so much. It's my pleasure to be here. You are very, very welcome. Chronic pain, it's one of those things that either you are very, very familiar with, or you have an idea what it is. So to help people who who have not experienced it or uncertain what it really is, do you mind taking a moment and sharing with us how you define what chronic pain is, just so we kind of set that baseline now at the beginning of our conversation. I love that question. It's so important um, because most people don't know what it is, but the actual medical definition of chronic pain is any pain, physical, mental, emotional, spiritual, financial, any pain that's felt 15 days out of 30 for three months or more is chronic. The brain can't tell the difference between one kind of pain and another it all sends the same signal to the brain, it hurts. Um, really, the brain can't tell the difference between a broken bone and a broken heart. Really? Interesting. So, so the grief experience, um, if it's felt for 15 days out of 30 for three months or more, is a chronic. And I and I, I, I am on, I'm on podcasts around grief because that's a subset of the chronic pain experience. Yes. So yes. It's, just kind of like a subset. There's all these different kind of, I'm, a, I'm also a, a betrayal coach, a betrayal okay. tra- trauma uh, a, a coach. And, uh, and that's another kind of chronic pain. That betrayal experience is another kind of chronic pain. So it's, um, there's a lot of different um, ways that it can show up. And why is it important? Because um, by the time 15 days out of 30 for three months, three months starts, Whatever the the pain that the body is, the body mind spirit system is feeling, uh, it changes the nature of the brain, and the way the brain is perceiving the pain that is getting, um, it creates chaos and brain fog in in the brain. Like mm-hmm. I can't think straight, and it also um, creates a, a very a pronounced, uh, a, a accentuated negative mind where. Um, we kind of we're always uh, we're like we're blaming others for everything or we're blaming ourselves or we turn that negativity inside of us what's wrong with me i must be being punished some kind of negative story yeah 
Interesting. So, so, it's, so it's so that's what happens with the um, with the difference between acute pain and chronic pain. And then why is that important? Um, well, uh, then before COVID, the numbers have just gone up since COVID. But before COVID, the National Institutes of Health estimated uh, fully 25% of all of North America suffers from chronic pain across all socioeconomic uh, measures, including children. So 25% of children suffering from chronic pain in the World Health Organization estimates a fifth of the world. So it's this like silent epidemic. And this was before COVID, you know, which has caused, uh, you know, the out, the, the fallout from COVID and what everyone's been experiencing, isolation and so forth has, has just accentuated um, of that problem. I, you know, part of me is like, I'm curious to know what that number is, but there's a nurturing side of me that's like, hmm, I, you know, I don't want to go there because I am someone who feels, you know, like I want to help. <laughs> I want to fix. And that would be an overwhelming number. I'm, I'm certain it's a, a staggering number because I don't think there's one person that has not been affected. Everybody has been affected in sure. some way. So, yeah, we're, we're, we're really feeling it as a collective on the planet. No, no doubt. Oh, yes, most certainly, most certainly. And it's, and it's everywhere. It's not just in the United States. It's not just in Europe. It's everybody. A piece of this is that at least in America, um, uh, doctors in medical school, just generally, I'm not going to say 100%, but generally are not taught how to handle chronic pain. So the, the, and and you know there's an opiate epidemic in the country, and now mm-hmm. they now they're they've got their hands tied and can't can't be uh, prescribing opiates uh, except in very um, extreme cases, uh, unusual cases. Okay. Um, and so um, doctors really don't know. They're getting better. Uh, I, I, they don't. They're not really taught about chronic pain, and 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 the, the once those changes happen in the brain. We need to bring healing modalities that heal those changes. And opiates don't do that. No. Opiates don't heal those changes. They they're in my opinion, they're 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 helpful for um acute pain, say like a kidney stone. I actually had a kidney stone once and, and I was really grateful. I, I they gave me a, a shot of uh, dilaudid and I was really grateful because I kind of ended up in the emergency room with the pain. That's kind of all I needed at the time. Um and, uh, but uh, I was, I was prescribed, um, I was a chronic pain patient for, for over 40 years, and I was prescribed uh, opiates and benzodiazepines, which is any anxiety medicine, um, for 31 of those years, because their only answer was uh, opiates and benzos. That's their, that was their answer. Uh, until I finally found someone uh, in Dr. Peter Prescott, who, who studied chronic pain, he wrote this book, Conquer Chronic Pain, an Innovative Mind-Body Approach. Okay. And that is the companion book to my book. <laughs> okay. The Way Through Chronic Pain, Tools to Reclaim Your Healing Power. He wrote this, and then I wrote this because I went through his program, and this is kind of the patient version of that with my own journey. Um, so there's a lot of, there's books out there um, 
about my doctors, Dr. John Sarno is another one who's, he's passed away. Both these doctors have passed away. John Sarno wrote a book book called Healing Back Pain. And he understood this kind of integrated, uh, looking at the patient as an integrated person and that uh, opiates were really not the answer. Um, uh, An opiate, uh, what it does is um, it will numb uh, the pain in the nervous system. Um, okay. For a while. And, okay. um, but it also uh, depresses the respiratory system. So we can't oxygenate and release toxins, which is like uh, 70% of the waste out of the human body comes out of the breath by weight. 70%. Yeah, you'd think it would be something else. It's not. <laughs> Interesting. Comes out of the breath. So it depresses the respiratory system. Um, it freezes the digestive system. It dries up the mouth. So you can't even those salad, those important enzymes in the mouth that begin the digestive process that they're, they're not there. And then the, 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 the um, peristaltic uh, action of the intestine gets shut down because of it. Uh, so there's that piece. Um, uh, so it, it, and it dehydrates us. So we're, we're not able to, you know, the, we need more water. <laughs> so it, there's, how are there any of those things healing? Right. Yeah. So you can see that for a, a little while, how it would be helpful, or maybe at the end of life, if there's a cancer situation, that's just, you know, that kind of thing, but right. not for like, um, I had back pain and, and they just, they just assumed I wouldn't heal. They never asked the question because they didn't have the training. They didn't never ask the question, why isn't Elizabeth healing? And when I met Dr. Peter Prescott, he asked that question. He understood, he understood that. And he, he wasn't really interested in my x-rays or anything else. I had a, a back injury that uh, uh, caused my low spine to become unstable. And I needed a lot of surgery. And that was that that's when the all the the pain medicine began and it just got worse and worse as time went on and it turned out for me uh, in the end i ended up having this thing called hyperalgesia which is a condition where the 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 opiate itself causes pain so it's it that these medicines can turn around and bite you um, the way that you right and they can give you more of what you're taking for in the first place the benzodiazepine which most people know is an anti-anxiety medicine Okay. That's the same thing. I took it because my pain level was so, uh, so and I got my nervous system. I was so uh, reactive to the pain that I was feeling that they gave me those and it calmed me down for a while. And then I started having panic attacks and not understanding why as because you're not supposed to be on benzos for a long time. You're there, there, there's, there's no research on them for a long time. There's, I mean, there doctors put you on them for a long time, but, but there's not, there's not a data on that. So there, it's kind of off label. And it, it, and I'm not the only one. This is a thing that we see in the in the um, community of people that, that take any anxiety medicine. Um, if they've been on a, on it for longer than the label, uh, the research is for two weeks, uh, off and on, over a two week period. Anything beyond that is is not researched. So it's it's kind of off label. Um, that's yeah. uh, that's just mind boggling. Uh, obviously, I've not contended with any of that and you are truly giving me an education and it's like wow (laughs) you're opening my eyes to an aspect and and now I truly do have a 
a better understanding of why it was important for me to ask you for that definition of what chronic pain is. When I sit down to write out, you know, questions or when I just before the interview, I like, okay, what are the things that I want to ask? And it's, you know, it comes to me through intuition and stuff. And it was really made predominant clear to ask, you know, what is chronic pain so that people had better understanding of what it is. And and get a better understanding. And, and with you sharing all of this information, it's like I, it, you're taking me down a journey of having a, a deeper compassion and understanding of what those who are experiencing what you have and, mm-hmm. and continue. I'm assuming this doesn't just, you know, like go away. Yeah, it did. Uh, it did. I went into Dr. Peter's program. After um, 40 years, I was in his program for 50 days. I walked in with 40 years of chronic pain, and I walked out 52 52 days later with no pain. Really? I'm still still free from it. And then your book is in the layman's terms and not as technical. So so that is the catalyst for why you wrote your book then was – you didn't want to keep this a secret. <laughs> no, it, it wasn't just me. It wasn't like I was some kind of aberrant um, <clears throat> outrider. No, um, no. I have a science background as well. Um, and so <clears throat> um, I understand kind of research and, um, and I, I, I sat at his program. He had a 94% success rate. It was astonishing. And he had, his patients were just like me. They called us hickory nut cases. <laughs> doctors couldn't crack right? okay i was gonna ask yeah. well, why hickory nut but yes yeah. so but the okay. other thing that's interesting about um chronic pain in the holistic model you can't separate mind body from spirit so right. what you do to one you do to all right. and so um as i said the grief experience which is can be a a um kind of a lost night of the soul the spirit can <laughs> journal over into emotional we know that that that's the uh-huh. emotional too but it can also um it can also transform into chronic pain i'm sorry physical pain mm-hmm. so emotional pain can turn into physical pain and spiritual pain and physical pain can turn into emotional and physical pain and, and spiritual pain they're, they're all kind of interchangeable so it's 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 not just about a physical pain thing there's a lot more wrapped up in it yeah <clears throat> Because we are all, it, it's all connected. When we, like you said, when we adjust one, it affects the others. Or when when one is, you know, uh, off balance, it can have a domino effect. Absolutely. And, yeah. How long has it been that you've been pain-free then? It's been uh, since September. Uh, so it would be November of, of uh, 2013. Congratulations. <laughs> yeah, I know. It's amazing. It's, amazing. It's, it's quite remarkable. And so I wrote my book for chronic pain sufferers and those who care for them, for them, doctors, nurses, family members, and friends. It offers proven techniques to clear pain and live a, a life free from suffering from a core chronic, a former chronic pain sufferer, me, who searched the globe for answers and found them. 
So I really tried to bring in the, what it sounds like, um, what the inside voice of a, of a chronic pain patient really sounds like, mm-hmm. because from a, from a, an observer's point of view, a chronic pain patient is either quiet and doesn't ever complain or complains all the time. There's yes. really not much of a middle ground um, in my experience. And I've sat in front of, I've sat with thousands of them over the years because I've been in and out of hospitals and physical rehab facilities, just trying to get my body back together, uh, doctor's offices, you know, over four decades. And um, we all have this in common. It's quite remarkable. You know, in science, we're always looking for the pattern, right? Well, what's the pattern here? And one of the patterns is this thing. We're either really quiet or we complain all the time about everything. That's and not I'm, the true voice. That's not the true voice. What's really going on is this whole other conversation, which I, I talk about in my book. Yeah, there's a lot of questions to be asked there. Um, what I would love to do is I would love I would love to explore your writing process. <laughs> <laughs> so I love I love your immediate reaction to that. <laughs> so when you sat down and you know you've got the catalyst to why you want to write it, you know in your heart you have a story to get out there, you have information that you want to share. So did you just start sit down and start plucking away at the keyboard and and have it like there or did you um, here's you're in the science background so you did a lot of research I I can already tell that um, or was it something that you kind of you worked on for a little bit and then didn't work on it for a while or you know what I mean you just kind of work on dabble with it for a while or did you just sit down and type it out well, it wasn't quite either one of those. It was okay, the- <laughs> and and I, <clears throat> I I put it out as a mission <clears throat> for myself, and I have a very I'm very persistent. I have that ability to stay to stay with something for a while. So a kind of persistence turns into devotion, right? Persistence, discipline, devotion is kind of how it works for me. Okay. The interesting thing was, I in this book, I <clears throat> I talk about the tools to reclaim your healing power. The tools that that um, that I was taught, and that I discovered, um, that helped me clear the chronic pain that I was experiencing. And what happened to me while I wrote the book was I had to use all the tools. <laughs> ah, yes. I remember I told you that I was, that I, this book came out in, I think it was 2019 and I, it took me five years to write. Okay. And it's, and when I was, when I was, when I started it, when I first, uh, I got it written and it, and in about three years and it was 70,000 words. And I, put every single word in there consciously mm-hmm. every single word and i and i had difficulty because remember i told you that the a chronic pain sufferer has a, a very pronounced negative mind and when i healed from the chronic pain i didn't have the physical pain anymore but i had a i still had the negative mind and i had to clear that so as okay. i'm writing 
the book, I'm hearing my negative mind come in and say, nobody wants to hear what you have to say. And like, you won't even be able to figure this out. You know, you're not going to be able to put this down the way you feel it. And I mean, there was a lot of, a lot of negative um, chatter uh, in the mind. And I, I really had to get very quiet. I have a, I'm a yogi. I have a yogic practice and I, I had to get very quiet and go into meditation and still do, you know, breath work. And I had to still the mind. And then I would come and sit in front of the keyboard and I would get very still and I would kind of wait for what I call a download. Mm-hmm. Oh, we're going to write about this part today. And then that would kind of come in and I would just start typing and, uh, and I'd, you know, get the certain part into it and I'd maybe get a little bit stuck and, and I'd stop and breathe and, and I'd hear that voice come in and like, yeah, you can't say that that way. And I'm like, oh man, (laughs) (laughs) you know, there's this ebb and flow and this give and take and a lot of uh, soft, I had to learn how to be soft with myself and calm, tame the inner critic, which is a whole exercise in my book, (laughs) how to tame the inner critic. Right. And, and, um, I really, um, I I really felt held uh, by uh, Dr. Peter had died. Dr. Peter died um, uh, about a little bit after I started the book, and I felt his presence. I I would hear his I would hear his his voice say, "Get out of your mind," you know. <laughs> I would I would hear him say that because I he, love it. Come from the heart and get out of the analytic because he knew I was a researcher person and I had this analytic get out of your mind and get into your heart. I would hear him say that. Okay, you know, I love it. That's great. <laughs> yes, so he kind of wrote the book too, right? Um, so I ended up with 70,000 words, and as I said, I put every word in there consciously by the time I mean, I read it, I was like, this is what I want to say, and I got with um, my editor, Robin. Uh, Robin Fritz, uh, who's got a long, you know, history, 35 years in the editing business. And she gets a hold of the manuscript and she says, you got to cut this 35,000 words. Nobody's going to read 70,000 words. And I, and I was like, what? (laughs) And and this is what I said was so funny. This is what I said. Well, I said, Robin, anybody that's got chronic pain will read whatever they need to, if they really want the answer. (laughs) Yes, they will. And then I said, I put every single word in there consciously and, 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 and she listened and she, she said, well, this is your book, Elizabeth, you know? So she gave me, you know, her best advice from, you know, her editing world. And, and mm-hmm. I, and I respected that. And so I, I, I sat with that information for a while and she helped me do what I call a structural edit, which is a, Oh, we don't really need this chapter. And we need to put this chapter here when the information in this chapter, we can put it in that chapter and take that whole chapter out, that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. And by the time we were done with the structural edit, it was 35,000 words. (laughs) So you did get to cut it. then. (laughs) It's really interesting. (laughs) That's that, that is, um, that is wonderful that you were able to do that and not feel like oh you know because what's the Stephen King line it's like kill your darlings meaning let go of the elements of your story that doesn't fit or doesn't belong there and that's hard I mean as a writer 
like you said, every word, you know, they're, they're supposed to be there. But to have somebody who can help you to see, oh, if we move this here, and it's like this alchemy. And, and then it's like, yeah, that's to lose 35,000 words is, you know, that's quite the task. (laughs) It's a great exercise. As I said, um, there's in the yoga world, there's the, uh, the 10 um, virtues of yoga, the yamas and niyamas. And and one of the niyamas is a parigraha, which is a long Sanskrit word, which means not clinging not clinging, right? And I had a chance in that exercise to practice not clinging. Mm -hmm. And I also had a chance when Robin said that I, uh, because of her expectation, I, 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 you know, I bow to the teachers that are before me, right? Oh, I was like, you know, she's saying that for a reason. Why don't you consider it? Even though, you know, even though I was like, well, wait a minute, I, you know, I did that because I meant it. (laughs) And And I meant it in the moment, but this was a new moment. Robin, when I, by the time I met Robin, I was in a new moment and it allowed, and because at this moment is this moment, and this is the moment of possibility All everything in the present moment is where we do the cooking, the creating, right. But not the past, not the future, but in this moment, and so I just kept staying in the sandbox with Robin, working with this work in the present moment. And we just kept mixing and matching and putting and cutting and pasting and whatever. And, and we ended up with what we ended up with. And, I, and it was interesting because I, I did really practice that principle of not clinging and, and remembering the, the audience that I was pointing at and, and how I could serve them instead of kind of my, yeah, well, I did this and I meant it, you know, instead of staying in that place, I kind of, you know, well, what do, what do we need? What would serve the audience the best? And mm-hmm. that's, that's kind of how we did the process. And when my ego got in the way and in, in, in other ways, like, well, you know, this isn't going to be good enough. And I was, oh my God, I was just like, you know, Thank you for sharing that. Go sit over there. (laughs) You know, know, that's so funny you say that because of the fact that a lot of people that I know that are that do that inner critic work, that's exactly what they tell their inner critic is, you know, you go sit over there. I heard you. You said what you said. Now go over there and let me do my thing. And and it's it's like that way that they can separate. You know, that that interior voice that's like so destructive, <laughs> so well, demeaning. You know, I, I have a, I have a trauma background at this point, uh, which mm-hmm. I don't really talk about too much in the book. But all the voices we have are there to keep us safe. Yes. They came, they came on board at a time when we needed them to stay, keep us safe. So when I say, thank you for sharing, I'm saying, thank you for sharing and keeping me safe. I don't need you right now. Yeah. Right? So that they're not, there's no bad voice in there. There's just ones that maybe are not needed in this moment. I love how you keep bringing back in this moment, in this moment. Mm-hmm. And it is, it is a phrase that you've said a lot. That is not always easily practiced because it's easy or easier. Maybe that's the more appropriate word to, to look back and to be in the past and to reflect on the past and to utilize the past. 
and then of course then we've got the the future where we look at it with either anticipation or with great angst and fear exactly and this is this is the this is the um the core of chronic pain and we're not we're we're not listen anybody that's a chronic pain person that's still suffering that's suffering with it has an argument with the present moment and i was one of those people and so um I didn't want to be in this moment. And so I would, I would, oh, I want to be in the future when it's this way, or I, I'd rather be in the past when it was this way, or, oh, I remember this. I was like this in the past and it was horrible. And, you know, oh my God, or, oh, if it's going to be like this in the future, will I be able to manage? And it was just, it was just, um, it was just, it's just not a, it's not a healthy way to live. And the thing is, is the healing does not happen in the past or the future. It happens yeah. right here in this moment. And so what are we doing with this moment? And so Dr. Peter in his program, Dr. Peter Prescott in his program that I was in, he asked this question and it, it floored me at the time because I, I was just, I was sideswiped by it. He said, mm-hmm. I mean, this is a room full of 20 of me, 20 people like me. And he said, what are you doing to contribute to your pain? Oh, and I know. And I said, and I, and the first thing, because it was very reactionary, I had this very reactionary response. It was like, what do you mean? It's doing it to me. Right. And, and, and I, and I, I was just like, wow, dude, you've just asked a question. You, you just set off a bomb in this room. And, <laughs> you, know, are, 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 you, you're looking to get killed in this room. Cause you know, we're going to, but those are fighting words, you know, <laughs> you know, I was like, wow. yes. He's got a he's got he's got a lot of nerve, you know, bringing that question in. Anyway, that was all a conversation in my mind when he put that question. I didn't say anything. I said it in my head. But I, he had the room, and I knew he had the room for a reason. And he was yeah. a doctor who studied this stuff, and he knew stuff I didn't know. So I sat there quiet, and I realized, oh, there's a whole bunch of stuff I'm doing that's contributing to my pain, and part of it was this not being in the present moment was this future tripping and and hanging out in the past and dragging the past into the present moment. This moment that we're in is absolutely a blank slate unless we bring the past in or bring the future in. It's blank, right? Unless we're going to bring our conditioning in, which we do. I'm not saying it's, I'm not saying it's, that it's, that, that it's, that it's, um, simple, to not bring the past in because our conditioning, you know, we're always comparing this moment to that moment when we tend to, well, not always, but we tend to do that. And this is why we have a meditation practice to keep us in the present moment in this stillness, in this non-judgmental place. And, And having that practice for so many years served me really well. Because when I, as I say, when I got to this book and I ran into Robin and she's like, Hey, you got, you know, twice as many words as, you know, people want to read. And I'm like, well, you know, and I, 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 I didn't like it at first, but I, but I considered it and I was able to make a readjustment because I had this, I had this ability, right. To adjust uh, what's happening now in the present moment. Oh, this is happening now. Not like then, not, not in the future. I'm right here. Let's see, let's take care of what's right here. Yeah, I could see where this approach would be challenging and yet 
I don't want to say liberating because that's the incorrect word in that frame. Maybe just in evokes an awareness of where we're at. And I am someone who I still grieve. I have a lot of grief. And um, and I find myself there quite easily. Um, in, in a couple of months is the fifth anniversary of my son's death. And, you know, so I'm sitting here thinking, so when I'm in that state of, of grief and trying to pull myself out of it, you know, I've learned to allow myself that um, because if I bottle it up, it'll brew. <laughs> no, yeah, but if you're in it, why are you trying to pull yourself out of it? Why not allow yeah. yourself to just be in it and accept yourself where you are? Oh, yeah. this is where I am. I'm going to breathe right here and I'm going to just stay present in the breath and let the body take all of this that I'm feeling. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe feed the story about, you know, but really allow the body to feel and uh, it's just my experience that when I can drop my story about whatever it is that's showing up in this present moment, mm-hmm. experience is a good one. <clears throat> I'll give you an example. When I can drop my story, the suffering ends. And I'll give you an example. Um, <clears throat> two weeks ago, three friends of my life died, three friends that I knew well. They died all different reasons none of them had to do with COVID by the way (laughs) it was just weird and it was very intense and I'm still grieving for them and I what I noticed was I noticed how it feels in the body I can still feel it when we bring it up um it feels like um contraction in the body Mm -hmm. and kind of heat and tension in the chest area and uh, a little bit in the heart maybe a little bit in the upper arms and um I can feel a little bit of my throat up into my ears. So it's, so it's this sensation, right? And, and I noticed, remember, I, I have this practice of parigraha and, the, and I, and I noticed, oh, I'm suffering. And so I'm asking myself, you know, instead of sitting here playing the victim going, oh, woe is me, which I can do, you know, I, that's part of it. The next thing would be, what's the gift in this experience? What is there a gift in this for me? And the gift is, oh, you have a lesson now, a parigraha, right? And you're clinging. Well, why are you clinging, Elizabeth? Because um, this is really difficult. Well, why is this difficult? Because um, something significant has happened. Mm -hmm. Something significant's happened, and it makes it difficult. Okay something significant's happened. Can you sit with the difficult? Yes, I can. This is part of the human experience. Can you give yourself permission to sit with it without pushing against it? Because I can, I can fight with just about anything. And being a <laughs> pain person, you know, I'm, I'm getting to fight with it, you know, but that's resist. I won't, I've learned to not do that. That was part of, um, part of the teaching as well, was just, I'm accepting myself in this moment and right in this moment is really uncomfortable and that's okay because something significant has happened and I'm, I'm learning. The other side of that is uh, from kind of a spiritual point of view is 
who am I to say when my friends are going to leave the planet? I'm not in charge of that. No, <laughs> I'm not in charge. You know? As much no. as I would like to be, I'm not. Right. So that's kind of the other uh, piece that kind of uh, uh, um, balances the equation there for me, mm-hmm. you know, kind of, can I allow myself to be here? And where is my power? My power is in my own suffering. And, and my power is not in when people transition. That's, I don't have power there. I have power in my reaction to it and my attachment and that stuff. And yeah. that's, that's my journey in this moment. And it's been a couple of weeks and I'm still in it and that's okay. I just, I'm noticing and allowing and, and I'm not beating myself up for it. I'm just saying, oh, well, this, this doesn't feel good and, and it hurts and it's okay. You know, mm-hmm. can I breathe and allow it? And can I find some ease in the breath through this journey yes. to change, to change the, to, to change this from suffering to just, this is a difficult moment. It doesn't have necessarily have to be this heavy, um, you know, ripping feeling in my body, right? Right, right. How much am I clinging on, you know? How That's much interesting. Because I was going to say, you're really giving me a lot to, to, to put together and to sit with. And I would say in this moment... <laughs> Um, and I say that with much respect and uh, an appreciation for such a strong reminder. Where am I? Am I in the moment? Am I sitting in yesterday's soup or am I swimming too fast for tomorrow? You know, what am I? Where am I? Um, one question that I have. Because your book is very, um, you have a very targeted audience. You're not trying to reach the masses and trying to hit every genre you can think of. And so when it came to promoting your book and, and marketing it and getting out there with your book, was it? Was it an easier process because you knew exactly that person that you're reaching out to? Or did you find it that it was more of a limitation because you were focused at that one particular um, group of people? Well, I think 25% of the United, of the North of North America and a fifth of the world is, is, is not, um, a small audience. <laughs> so, no, no. So, so a lot of people to market to, right? Yes. And so my, I, I, I really haven't. Um, the marketing part of it hasn't been as the promotion. The marketing hasn't been as. Um, I haven't spent as much attention on that as I would like to. I, I work it on social media. I had about 450 people. I, I kind of because over as I was writing the book, I was putting little bits on social media and people were like, Oh, that's interesting. I want a copy of that. And I, I collected all those names. And so I, I, I've sold uh, plenty of books, but I'm, you know, I can, I still have, uh, I still have to sit with uh, uh, AdWords on Amazon, you know, figure out how to do uh, Amazon ads and stuff like that. And, Mm -hmm. and and I, I didn't really have the money to, to hire a marketer or a book promoter person. I just didn't have the money. I, it was enough to you know spend the money on the editor and the and the text text setter and the 
book cover guy and all that. So I was just like, I only had so much money. Um, so I, I kind of depend on social media and uh, of course it's on Amazon, but people catch me on so- social media and in podcasts and stuff mm-hmm. or on my website and they can get the book from my website, elizabeth-kit.com, or they can go to Amazon. And um, I just, I just, I could spend some time uh, doing the Amazon promotion stuff. It's not all that difficult. I just haven't taken the time. So there's a lot of overwhelm. A friend and I were talking about this uh, earlier this morning that she's noticed a tremendous amount of overwhelm and overload. You know, we're because so much is changing uh, structurally, you name whatever area of your life, good chance it's being rearranged and we're becoming more aware of things. And there's a lot of people who are contending with overwhelm and, and overload. And, you know, you get to a point where you need to just kind of sit back and like, okay, uh, I know that I'm aware that I need to do X, Y, Z, like in your case, I need to sit down with Amazon and figure out the 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 tag words the seo how do i want to proceed with this how can i expand my audience but allow but i like the fact that you're allowing yourself that time to sit back and say i will do this when i'm ready and and not like oh my god i can't believe i haven't done this yet Yeah, well, that wouldn't be optimal. Um, that's kind of the opposite of what I'm going for in, in recovering from chronic pain. Dr. Peter said when I left the program, he said, uh, you know, you're a recovering chronic pain patient. Make sure you take care of every day. You have to use the tools every day. And some of that is is like, you know, I'm living within the capacity. What's the next right thing for me? I opened my day up and, and, um, I I spend, I divide my day into thirds, eight hours in bed. I may not be asleep for all those eight hours, but I'm asleep or meditating, one or the other. Mm-hmm. Uh, eight hours at my job and eight hours at my recovery, which is kind of my personal, you know, take care of myself. Right. Self-care. That's how I divide the day. And it's, and it's, uh, I don't always hit that marker, but I, but I, that's what I go for. And uh, because I've taken Dr. Peter's um, uh, uh, suggestion to heart. He gave us a prescription. Take care of yourself. Use the tools every day. Okay, got it. Every day for the rest of your life, he said. So that's that's the deal. I don't want to go back into chronic pain. So. Oh, no. <laughs> and I work with people now in recovery that are either suffering with chronic pain or in addiction recovery that find themselves in chronic pain and don't want to take medication. So I, I work with those people and I also do ancestral clearing, which is uh, just all for that population, but for everybody. And that keeps me pretty busy. Um, uh, that clientele keeps me pretty busy. And the, the, the website stuff and the promotion is pretty much secondary to that. It's like, oh, if I get a lull on my business, boom, in my, you know, in, in all the clients and stuff, I'm happy to, to step into that. Yeah. Yeah. Clients first. Well, no. you first, then clients, then the website. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, I mean, I, I get the websites up and going and functioning, 
Um, but the book promotion is not on my front burner. And um, it feels to me like enough people are finding me and finding the book that, um, that I have my hands full. <laughs> so I'm like, I think whatever I'm doing is, is working. It could be more. I could be more prominent on, on Amazon. I'm just not. And I, I know that. It's just it's another marker I can, I can put out there to, to hit one day. Right, yeah. right. Is there a bit of advice that you have for a writer who is looking to do a piece that is coming so strongly from their, you know, interior calling, such as your book? Um, what would your bit of advice be for them? I would suggest to get very still. Get very still. Get familiar with the stillness in you. And write from that place. Yes. That's what I did. I just literally, it's kind of interesting. I would get very still and the words would just start coming in. And I, I would look at my writing and go, where did that come from? It was interesting. It, it, so a very co-creative process between whatever that energy is that's in the stillness, the creator, consciousness, whatever you want to call it, and, you know, my personality, this beautiful blend. So, and it's a very, it's a very uh, easy place to, to write from, the stillness, mm-hmm. because the information just kind of like comes in and you just write. It's when the ego comes in and goes, nobody wants to read that, that it becomes a problem. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. My ego has an opinion about everything. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Ego is good for that. But again, you know, like you mentioned earlier, there's a reason for that voice. It does Absolutely. help keep us safe. It does help us keep us alert and not in uh, a sense of, um, the word that came up was laxadaisy, <laughs> but uh, um, yeah, it, it does help to keep us alert mm-hmm. so and aware. And well, it also gives us a sense of humor because it's hilarious sometimes the things that come in. I'm like, what? <laughs> what did you say? <laughs> oh, I'm going to have to twist that. And yes, when I start hearing some of that inner, I'm just going to have to twist it to being humorous versus critical oh i like that i like that that's a great idea i actually did a remake on my inner critic i got to a point where i just got it's in my book um at the end in in the exercise i got to a point where i was just like you know what inner critic you're getting a makeover and I, (laughs) i i i totally gave it a makeover like what 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 she wore her hair what she smelled like the kind of food she was eating her location all that stuff. And then I finally got all that done. And I was like, Oh, what does she sound like? Right. All five senses and then environment. And then what does she sound like? And I thought to myself, well, you know, she sounded like a Supreme court judge for a long time. Like this stern, you know, like always making a judgment kind of thing. And, Mm -hmm. and, uh, and, and I said, well, how, how could, how could I change that voice? And I thought, let's make her a comedian. And I thought, oh, oh, yes. Well, who do I know that has an opinion about absolutely everything and is hilarious? And I thought of Joan Rivers. That was exactly the person that came up to my mind when you started to say that. <laughs> yes. 
So I got Joan Rivers in my mind now. She's the one that, that that's the voice that, that, that talks to me. And it, it is hilarious. So I, I, I don't take myself so seriously anymore. Oh my gosh. I love it. I love it. <laughs> that's so wild. Cause as you were saying that, that was the, that was the, the name that was just popping in my head. Like I could do that as Joan Rivers. <laughs> that's right. I could change her voice. Yeah. Because she had a wicked sense of humor, but it was always, it was truthful, though. Yeah, you know? she had a comment about absolutely everything. 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 Extraordinary. It was, it was just like, wow, she just had absolutely full, you know, she she had a, a full stage there <laughs> that, she, that she spoke to. <laughs> yes, she did. Oh, my gosh. Oh, I love it. Oh, that's great. <laughs> You mentioned your website. It's uh, Elizabeth-Kip, and the Kip is K-I-P-P, and yeah. I will have that on the uh, show notes page on the on the website uh, for Can the I podcast. Yeah, thank Please. you. It's we have to ElizabethKip.com is amazing. She's a web designer and a photographer, and she's mm-hmm. really good at what she does. But she's not me, so we have to put the dash in there between Elizabeth and Kip to get to my website. Yes. So that, that is, yeah. Yeah. And and the other thing is, is I noticed I went on to uh, Amazon prior to uh, sitting down here with you. And I noticed that there's another Elizabeth Kipp that's an author. I will have your book covers on the show notes page. And also when you're looking on Amazon to look for you know, the topics around the the chronic pain and, and the internal healing. Um, I noticed that you did a lot of collaborative book projects. And you are in several books that several of my friends have also participated in. It's like, oh, I recognize that cover. I recognize that cover. I recognize that cover. And I thought... What a small world. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. So my middle initial is R. So Elizabeth R. Kip. I don't know if there's any other of those, but yes, I have been in a bunch of different books. And my most recent is The uh, the Ancestors Within, which is okay. a four book series, which I'm just literally today starting the writing for the third book. My chapter, it's really cool because it's each book is 25 um, people that are in the healing, the ancestral healing arts, specifically the ancestral healing arts. So I'm an ancestral clearing practitioner as part of what I do. And so I've, I've had a chapter and I'm going to hopefully have a chapter in each of the four books, but there's the fact that there's 25 people in the ancestral healing arts that are writers that want to share their tool, their stories and their tools is pretty Mm -hmm. phenomenal. So it's quite an interesting group. And, um, and uh, this one is, uh, this book is, this particular volume is about ancestral gifts. And uh, and I, I have a lot of ancestral gifts, but the one I'm going to be talking about is my, my I have like, most people have a green thumb. I've got like 10 green fingers. I have mad, mad skills with plants. It's just, oh, I love it. And it, it, it didn't, it didn't, I just didn't make that up. It, it, I came in with that. <laughs> so I'm writing about that. I love that. So with the book collaborations, then, um, 
how did you get into doing them? Well, I, um, I started, I started with, uh, I had a friend on Facebook that put a call out. She wanted to, uh, it was women, called, it was a book called uh, Women of Social Media, which is, wouldn't be one of my strongest books, but it was my first collaborative book. Okay. And she wanted to, um, she wanted women to, we had, again, it was 25 women that came together to tell their story of, I don't even remember the story I told on that one. Uh, I think it might've been the the one about um, can you love yourself now? Uh, which was, so it was a story of, of um, finding self-love, right? And here, you know, I have this heavy inner critic. So I had quite a journey with that. So I had plenty to say about that. So I wrote, I wrote a chapter on that. So uh, I found people through the wellness universe. I found, I found my book promotion people. I found them through the wellness universe, right? Um, as I say, I curried a, a pretty good uh, Facebook audience and I, and I, I met, oh, that's the other one, Brave Healing. Brave Healer Productions is, is who the wellness universe has done some collaborative book uh, studies with her, with Laura DeFranco through okay. Brave Healer Productions. So I've done collaborative. That's where the Ancestors Within sits in that wheelhouse. Good to know. Good to know. Well, Elizabeth, it has truly been a very, very educational. <laughs> wow. Very educational podcast. Um, and I am so appreciative of this conversation. I truly, um, I truly learned a lot. And Joan Rivers. Yeah. <laughs> Bless her soul. She lives on, you know. Yes, she does. Inner critics, yeah, she's amazing. Yes, thank you so much uh, for for um, for this opportunity to um, be in front of your listeners and to uh, to be able to share you with my listeners. I'm I'm excited for that. So thank you so much. You are so very welcome. Before we end our time together, I'd like to say thank you for listening to my conversation with Elizabeth Kipp. To access her website and purchase the book she has written, visit pentopaperpress.com backslash podcasts and select the show notes page for this episode. What is one takeaway you receive from this conversation? Have you given your inner critic a makeover? Is it something you've thought about doing? Whose voice do you hear when they speak? Drop by the show notes page for this episode and let us know. This episode is sponsored by the Women Health Circle, a transformational online health community for women. I'm a member of Rachel Kiefer's group coaching program, and I love her approach to nurturing our precious bodies. Learn more at healthnutgirl.com. Again, her website is healthnutgirl.com. To receive future episodes in your inbox, subscribe to the newsletter and follow this podcast on your favorite applications. You are invited to share your favorite episodes with individuals you feel will resonate with the content. Take care, and until next time, keep your pen to paper and write. Your words have power. Your story matters. Bye for now.